Dr. Quele, it's wonderful to have you on the Business of Health today. Welcome. Thank you very much, Giselle. So I guess to kick it off straight away, perhaps you can, I know you, you've, you've, you've just recently joined Organon. It's a, it's a global pharma company and you have had a fantastic career in, in, in South Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. But perhaps you could just give us a little bit of background as to why Organon has kind of declared itself a women's health business. Yeah, Organon as a women's health business is, is what makes it unique in the in the pharmaceutical space. Uh, and uh, we really have a focus on a commitment for, for health, the health of women. Um, no other large pharmaceutical company has the health of women as its primary focus. And our, our really our mission of a better and healthier every day for every woman is not only a commitment, but also it's a call to action to an area that's for a long time has been neglected by mainstream pharma. We want to, to listen to women and, and to understand their health needs and also help identify appropriate and relevant solutions that speak to those needs. You know, we, we know that women form 52% of the population in this country and across the African continent. But sadly, women's access to education and to healthcare has not been a priority. But more and more as a society, we have come to recognize that as individuals and as mothers and as caregivers, women are foundational to a healthier world. And therefore, the physical and mental and emotional well-being of women have to be a priority in order to have a prosperous society. Now, what this translates to for us as an organization is that we must develop and market a portfolio of products that treat and improve diseases that affect only women or those that disproportionately affect women that are young. Um, I also feel that we must use our position as a large global organization to be the voice and the champion for women's health. But then when we look outside the organization, we must also educate women and the broader society on the health needs of women to destigmatize areas such as menopause and sexual and reproductive health. Um, we need to act to broaden choice and access, focusing not only on the gender disparities in access and to healthcare, but also on the inequalities that still exist in access to health between the urban and the rural women. So really, Organon has got a major role to play uh, as far as women's health is concerned. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty you know, exciting development. Um, certainly, I mean, not just because I'm a woman, but I think if you, we know that um, women are the backbone of small and medium-sized enterprises in Africa. In fact, nearly 30% of enterprises are owned by women. And then, of course, you know that... Um, there's a huge contribution that women can make to the economy. So you alluded to them in the, in the, as, as part of the care, care workers and that, but I think as a, a broader role in society, um, they play a very important role, mothers, caregivers, but also um, employers uh, and keeping people employed. So in the con context of Africa, you know, both very exciting, but a challenging environment from a healthcare point of view. Um, what what are the main in terms of healthcare needs specifically for women? You, you mentioned a bit in terms of the menopause and that, but we know women's cancers, lifestyle diseases um, that that impact women. What is it that you particularly think are the areas that we should be focusing on? So, on the African continent, the the, the need for health uh, care, especially among women, is is so broad. Uh, and, and, you know, we also we know that through the ages, women have been the backbone of society across Africa and often in the face of extreme adversity. Um, but we also do know that there have been 
at disproportionate impact of the pandemic on the social and economic uh, status of women in South Africa, uh, but also a large share of the global burden of disease and death um, is borne by the women on the African continent. Um, you know, we know that, you know, in terms of African women, they account for more than half of all cases of maternal deaths of communicable diseases such as hypertension and diabetes and of nutritional deficiencies um, worldwide, right? Um, and women in Africa, they have a 70-fold increased lifetime risk of dying during childbirth as compared to women in Europe. Uh, we also have extremely high rates of intimate partner violence and sexual assault. Um, so in terms of a need on the continent, it is so broad, you know, going beyond what is usually topical uh, and, and all these needs need to be taken into account. I think in terms of the um, healthcare sector at the moment has been heavily skewed to providing access and, and addressing the needs of men. Uh, and it's a shame that, you know, in 2021, if, if you look at the survival of um, breast cancer, lags far behind survival of something like prostate cancer, right? Uh, and that's purely because of the gender inequity that we have, not only in the society, but that is also then displayed within the healthcare space. Yeah, it's very interesting you mentioned the breast cancer. I was actually interviewing just Dr. Justice Appelstadt, and he was the former professor of um, uh, breast, uh, well, breast reconstruction surgery at Stellenbosch. And he was talking about this exact thing um, around the health inequality in the African context and the fact that there's just so limited screening done of risk breast cancer in South Africa amongst the poorer communities, that's what happens is by the time they get into the healthcare system, you know, they're really at a, you know, they have tumors that have metastasized and they're really not much to be done. And yet yeah. he says there's still a treatment focus there instead of prevention. And I think that's always so interesting to me because obviously a pharma company, you're really focused on the treatment aspects, but we also know that really where the big need will be is on education because the more educated and informed women are, of their healthcare and what is triggering ill health, that's going to really help alleviate um, a, a great deal of some of the problems, not, not all of them, obviously, but a fair amount. Um, how, does, how do pharma companies reconcile that role? Because as I said, you, you tend to be at the tail end, not at the preventative side of things. And uh, how do you see your role in that um, as the MD of a company now that has to focus on, um, wants to focus on women's health issues? Yeah, I know. I mean, you, you're quite right. Education is central to, to many things, right? And, and I believe that education, access, and choice are all essential for allowing women equal opportunities in society. Right? Um, in order to fundamentally reduce poverty, inequality, and advance the rights of women and girls, um, we must guarantee equal access for health healthcare services and ensure that these services respond to the specific needs that women have. Now, while for the pharma sector, has an important leadership role to play. Um, we have to adopt a multi-sectoral approach in dealing with women's health issues. Um, we must advocate for improved availability, accessibility, and affordability of health services that respond to the specific needs of women. Uh, and we're quite fortunate that right now we're in the 21st century and we have access to a range of technologies like we never have before. Um, so we must leverage the novel ideas and affordable technology in order to meet the healthcare needs of women and reach even those uh, that live in areas that do not have sufficient infrastructure or healthcare resources. But at the same time, um, there must also be extended coverage of existing healthcare programs by the pharma sector and other uh, healthcare partners. 
uh, through investment and innovation to prevent life-changing as, as well as um, life-threatening uh, diseases um, and also diminish uh, the, the, the lifetime achievement um, risks that girls and women have, right? But most crucially, I think we, we have to identify and dismantle the institutional and systemic injustices that perpetuate gender inequality and other social determinants of health that impact women. So while the mandate of the pharma and the medical sector is to address illness, as you quite rightly put now, uh, we have to adopt a holistic approach to the health, to the health of women. Uh, and this requires partnership with governments, with non-governmental institutions, civic organizations, as well as individuals in society to ensure that the physical and mental well-being of, of, of women and families uh, are taken care of. And you know, you mentioned something very important. I mean, I think you know it's, it's an incredible vision. Um, obviously, it's always the practice, how we activate that, how we make that happen. And I mean, you have mentioned the fact that, we, I mean, we live in an age now of technology that everything is sitting, you know, on a phone. Um, and even poor, poor communities are now accessing mobile uh, content or at the very least, they're able to send SMSs or receive SMSs. And I know there's been a huge amount of work done in the e-health environment too, and using some, some very powerful global foundations to try and eradicate certain diseases in Africa using technology. So I think that there's also really an interesting point that you probably at a time now where, you know, merging of pharma and the, the practical delivery of, 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 of medication along with the technology innovation will enable a much better long-term outcome um, for, 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 for everyone, not just women. So spot on. You know, in terms of our organization strategy, you know, we really focus on women's health as, as an important pillar uh, and looking at, as I mentioned before, diseases that only impact women or those that disproportionately affect women. Uh, we're also focusing on, on biosimilars, which are, you know, as you know, biologicals are cutting edge therapies, but often mm -hmm. because of their cost are inaccessible for the vast majority of our population. And what we plan to do is bring low cost biologicals to the market that address the specific needs of women, whether it is in the areas of cancers or in the areas of inflammatory diseases that disproportionately affect women. Uh, but in both of these areas, uh, there's a strong foundation of, of, of what is called femtech, right? These are technologies that are specifically directed towards the healthcare needs of women, whether it's through education, uh, point of care, uh, treatments or diagnostics, um, and, 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 and so forth. And we are heavily investing and, and, and partnering with femtech organizations to, to ensure that we're able to build these technologies. And as you say, you know, on our continent, we don't have the infrastructure to support uh, the vast majority of the population that sits outside of the urban areas, but technology can get there. And how do we harness technology and leverage it to benefit those, those, those women that lie outside and those people, men and women and, and, and children that lie outside uh, the areas where there's infrastructure and resources. So when you look at um, your, I mean, I obviously have just got into, I mean, really, you haven't even been there a year at Organon, so it's, it's, it's probably a bit audacious of me to try and put you on the spot to look at your, you know, your medium long-term strategy. But obviously you are setting pretty specific goals around what we're discussing here. And I wonder, what do you see, you know, in the future, in the next two or three years? What, what is it that you personally would like to see accomplished uh, under your tenure? 
Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's funny you ask this question, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, we sat down with my leadership team and we we're talking about our aspirations. What what is it that we aspire to be, right? And the first thing is obviously to ensure that we are a leading women's health organization, and that includes expanding our portfolio um, in those therapy areas that are meaningful to women's needs. Um, so, looking at contraception, of course, we're looking at fertility, we're also looking at things like endometriosis, dysmenorrhea. Uh, you know, um, menopause. Um, so, so that is important for us to make sure that as an organization, we offer a portfolio that speaks to each and every woman from birth all the way to the end of life. The second aspect of it is we want to increase access. Um, you know, we've had, and, and I think over the, over the years, the whole issue of access to pharmaceuticals has been a very polit politicized one. And we just need to move it out of politics and bring it right down to where it is now a conversation that we're having uh, at a social level. And, and how do we as a, a, a you know, a ethical and responsible pharmaceutical company, how do we make that a reality on our continent? And we're lucky that you know, we've got a footprint as much as, you know, Ogonai just launched six weeks ago. Uh, we've got a footprint across all countries on the continent. And we're able to then bring those products closer to the people that, that we want to serve. Uh, and the third thing is, of course, we want to be recognized as a leading voice for women. Um, and you, you would have seen that during our launch period six weeks ago, uh, our iconography included a microphone. Now, that microphone is not for us, but it's to provide a voice for women. We are here to listen to their needs, uh, but not only just listen. The next step would then to be able to act on whatever it is that the women need. So those are the three important things that you know, we bring together as Organon to be able to change um, the lives of, of women across our country and across the continent. Well, I think it's a really a very, very interesting and, and much needed. And I think that if you are really able to, to take the gusto, zest and passion you know, of, a, of a global private enterprise and, and be able to really affect change at a, at a structural level, you know, with government and, and local health authorities, I think that'll be truly powerful. And of course, you know, getting women on board. So thank you very much for your time. I mean, certainly we could probably talk for much longer than this. And I'd love to probably catch up with you again, probably in about another seven or eight months, because you would have settled in more. And um, we will definitely want to see how some of those plans are, are coming online, some of those product development ideas and, and, and the shifting, pivoting of your business into the women's health area. So Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of an insight into what is uh, a phenomenal um, opportunity, I think, for women in time and their health in Africa. Thank you so much, Giselle.